Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to Help, I Have a Teenager, the podcast that's here to answer all your questions about the new teen age. My name is Jo Lamble and I'm a clinical psychologist and in my office most days I will have at least one or two parents of teenagers who are saying, help, help, I'm either about to enter this phase or I'm right in the thick of it. Even one last week who said, oh my gosh, I know it's coming, I'm bracing myself, it's going to be terrible, isn't it? So there's fear out there, and that's one of the reasons why Ginny and I wrote The New Teen Age, how to support today's tweens and teens to become healthy, happy adults to help parents overcome this fear that they may have about having teenagers in the house. Absolutely, and I'm Dr Ginny Mansberg. I'm Jo's co-author of The New Teen Age. I'm also a GP, and like Jo, I'm a mum. We have managed to basically get through the teenage years unscathed. We have kids in their 20s. Between us, there's, what, eight of them. Mine are in a blended family. And every day, like Jo, I'm trying to help parents who really feel like they're in the trenches fighting for their souls <laughs> as they try to battle with their teenagers as they sort of are on their phones and doing TikTok dances and good knows what else. We have two questions about school and school holidays now that we're in the thick of it. And remember, you can submit a question by emailing podcast at mamamia.com.au or using the anonymous form you'll find in the show notes. And Ginny, the anonymous form is really getting a lot of hits and a lot of people are sending in some great questions via that form. So please keep doing that. Our first one's from Kelly. Kelly writes, Hi Ginny and Joe. I have two teens, 13 and 16, who usually get along pretty well. But when school holidays roll around, it's a nightmare because there's so much time to fill, they fight non-stop over who gets a TV, borrowing each other's things and stupid small things that I can't really even understand. It's driving me crazy and ruining what should be some nice family time together. I know it's only temporary, I hope, but do you have any tips for calming the bickering? How common is this? Now, Joe and I both had brothers. <laughs> and, um, and I don't know, did you always get on well with your brothers? One, yes. I did. Which I did want to bring that up as an example of the fact that I get on with both my brothers very well now, but I know my oldest friend, who we've been besties since we were six, 
she can't believe I speak to one of my brothers. She can't believe I get on with him. And I always say, why? And she says, because he was so mean to you. He was so mean to you when you were young. And I say, oh, well, we were just, <laughs> we were young and we we're teenagers and we were fighting, but we don't now. And I often think for Kelly, that's good for you to explain that to your daughters. Because I think this is a really good idea for you to think about, Kelly, to say to your daughters that their friends are watching and their friends are watching how you treat each other. And if you're sisters, friends think that you're not a nice person and you're mean, then they are going to be telling their friend, oh, you know, she's horrible, she's mean, stay away from her. And so a lot of teenagers don't like the idea of other people out there thinking that they're mean when they're just thinking, no, we're just siblings and we're just bickering. So it's often good to say, look, just watch out who else is watching. Not that I want teenagers to worry too much about what people think of them. So I don't want them to develop some horrible fear of negative evaluation. But I just think it's important that they just think it's innocent. But as I said, often a 16-year-old is looked up to by the 13-year-olds. The 13-year-olds are all saying, wow, you got a big sister, how wonderful. But what if they're saying, wow, you got a big sister, she's so mean to you. <laughs> Why do you like her? That's not a nice thought. No. I often find what happens to parents is that their kids try and force them to be the arbiter, the magistrate in the court when you weren't even there. You didn't see what happened. So, you know, she hit me. He hit me first, you know, and you are now having to dole out punishments where you've got no idea what's going on. And that's just a hiding to nothing. There is no good that can possibly come from you being caught in the middle of your kids fighting. So, Joe, what are your top tips from trying to have as peaceful an environment at home as possible. As usual, it depends on so much. I think this gap between 13 and 16 is quite big at this stage. You know, three years is not a big gap when they're little, and it certainly won't be a big gap when they're a bit older. And they certainly won't in adulthood. It will be nothing. When they're but, pushing you in your wheelchair to yeah, your appointment with the geriatrician, right. hun. <laughs> Kelly, you, they're going to be very, very close, basically <laughs> twins at that point. Hopefully sooner than that. <laughs> but I do think that's worth remembering that that gap at that point, you know, 16, you know, year 10, 13, just maybe starting high school. And so some bickering is probably to be understood. And as Ginny said, I wouldn't get in the way and try to adjudicate as much as possible. I'd let them resolve it. I think at that stage, again, I think it's good that sometimes you need more people around. Because often siblings get on really well when there are, you know, extended family or family friends around or they've both got a friend and they can, I don't know, dilute the tension because if it's just the two of them and, as you say, Christmas holidays are a long time for two teenagers to say, right, you need to get on so well the whole time you need to enjoy watching the same thing on television and <laughs> you want to do the same things, that's probably asking a bit much. So, Joe, you love a good contract. And I'm wondering if we try and establish a family contract with family rules. So things like no hitting is ever tolerated in the house. No taking of things without permission is tolerated. And we're not singling anybody out for who gets, you know, who this contract is aimed at. It's aimed at mum and dad and every single person else and the dog, frankly. They're all in on the contract and the whole family maybe signs to have family rules. I remember saying to my kids, I want our home to be a place of peace that we all feel safe and feel really comfortable. So I'm not really keen on anybody raising their voice. I just don't want to hear it. So I don't want to get involved in the middle of your fights. Go and work it out. But we're just going to keep everything pretty calm here. Calm could be something that you could stick in a family contract if everybody agreed to it. 
How do those kinds of things work in your experience? Definitely, if there's any sort of hitting on violence, of course, you know, golden rule, not allowed. And so that's when you do need to step in and say, hey, this is never going to be okay. So what are we going to do about that? If it's, as you say, taking people's things, damaging people's properties, again, those sort of things are good to put in a contract. If it's just that sort of bickering back chat, you know, squabble, which is just so horrible to listen to, I think you can often make a big statement by saying, oh, I can't stand listening to this. I'm going for a walk. I'm going, you know, I'm going to my bedroom or something to get away from it, I think is a really good message to say this is really unpleasant. As you said, Ginny, we want a calm house. So perhaps, yep, you could put that in a contract. I think they're good, but they've got to be quite clear. And specific. Yeah, because otherwise, you you know, you might be setting them up. Well, she broke the contract. She started that fight, so she broke the contract and you're back to adjudicating, did someone break the contract? So, yeah, I think the contract is good for the big ticket items, but harder on the blurry ones. One other suggestion I had is, and I'm, of course, not wanting or anyone should blame the older child ever, but I think sometimes, you know, you can plant a seed with a sort of 15, 16, definitely 17, 18 year old as in, wow, I really hope you grow out of this phase soon (laughs) because I was hoping by now that you could just be kind. You know, your younger sister, she's only 13 and so she probably just needs to look up to you and, you know, it'd be really nice if you're just a bit kinder to each other. Yes, sure, but you've got more maturity. You've got more years on the board than she does. So again, not blaming you, but perhaps you could be you know, just a kinder, nicer role model. So you can can build up the older one, not as in it's their fault, not giving them all the responsibility, but just planting the seed that, as I said, younger siblings normally do look up to older siblings and that's a privileged position to be in and you can use it for good, not evil. One of the other points that I think is a great opportunity here is to help them with their problem solving and conflict resolution sort of skills. So when something goes wrong for them or they don't like something that somebody else has done, you don't want them to be bringing it to the nearest adult in the room. It's not going to fly in a workplace. It's not going to fly at university. It's often not going to fly at school. So what you want to help them to do is, all right, how did you feel when this happened What could you have done differently? What do you think she would have listened to? And help to model good conflict resolution skills to equip both of the kids to be able to make up and avoid it escalating to the point where they want to involve you, hopefully. Yeah, that's great. And that's the sort of thing that reachout.com, for example, talk about the soft skills. Teaching the soft skills of conflict resolution really help at school as well, as you say, you know, to ward off bullying, to deal with that. And that would be another topic, hopefully around a dinner table. It's a good conversation to say, hey, guys, you're really bickering. What happens when this goes on at school? What do you do when you see two friends bicker? You know, how do you feel when that's going on? Because that's sort of how I'm feeling right now. (laughs) And what do you do to help? And what advice would you give your friends who are bickering? Because sometimes it really hits home if you try and relate it to their friendships rather than as a parent to a child. Because these kids are generally such great friends. They are so good at looking out for their friends. And what's really great is to say, I love the way you took on a great role of helping your two friends make up. So you build up that confidence in them that you've got this, you've got this conflict resolution skill. And how can we now, you know, just subtly, we're going to plant the seed that you're now going to deploy this inside your own relationships (laughs) instead of coming to involve me. I don't want to know. It's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, perfect. And normally, yeah, they can relate to that more because you've, as you say, you've built them up, you've related to their friendships. And so hopefully they're open to what you have to say. So good luck. Hopefully this long break isn't too bad for you, Kelly.
Joe, our second one today comes from Ellen and she says, Hi, Ginny and Joe. Thank you for your amazing podcast and the new teenage book. Your advice has saved my sanity on numerous occasions. Wow, Ellen, you've just made my day. Thank you so much. Now, Ellen writes, our 16-year-old son has recently been expelled from boarding school for experimenting with vaping and marijuana with friends. Boarding school is such a restrictive and close-knit living situation, which we are fully in support of, as there are many benefits for country kids. We obviously have very mixed feelings about this. He has stuffed up, but we also need to support him through this difficult time. He's no longer living and going to school with his good friends. We're trying to find a new school. Living so remotely, boarding school is really our only option. He has been seeing a counsellor, which has helped a little. What advice would you give us and him? Any advice is welcome. It's been a really difficult time. I bet it has, Ellen. How sad for you and for your son. I mean, as we explain in the new teenage, this experimental phase and pushing the boundaries is part of the brain's development. Your teen's brain is trying to push boundaries, explore the limits. They often don't make great decisions. And we really hope that parents and schools will get together and help your child modify their behaviour, learn from their mistakes and move on because it's not like having an experiment with vaping means that he's an irredeemably dreadful kid and I share your frustration and you seem very resigned and very kind about this and I guess you don't have a choice at this point but Joe and I are a little bit a little bit disappointed. Yeah, really sad that this is the outcome for you know, a bad decision or, or a couple sure. of bad decisions, sure, but it's a hefty price to pay, isn't it? And you certainly don't need to punish him any further. In fact, the opposite, I'd just tell him how much you love him and tell him that you know he's going to be okay, that you'll all get through this. You don't want him to think in any way that he's ruined his whole life because he hasn't. I remember when my eldest Sam, who turns 30 in a couple of weeks, when he was a very young high school kid, he was one of the younger ones in the school and literally parent-teacher just consisted of me being told that he's very immature, doesn't know when enough's enough, has so much potential but is just not living up to it. And he made several really silly mistakes when he was a young kid. And I remember the deputy principal, because I was tearing my hair out, it's not fun to hear that every single parent-teacher meeting, and the deputy principal principal said to me, I have seen kids like Sam before. Be patient. He will come good. Kids like him, he's late to mature. He will hit his strides in late high school. And you know what? He did. And he got great marks. He actually was representing the school for athletics all the way up to year 12. He joined teams. He was in the leadership team. You know, he was a prefect. If you had told me in year seven that that kid would have been a prefect, I would have eaten my shorts. But the school, if they had expelled him at that point instead of the amazing deputy principal that we had saying, don't worry about him, he's going to come good, we've got you on this, they would have lost a great kid as well and I would have been really disappointed but it also would have done terrible things to him. So I feel like your kid is lucky to have you, right, because you clearly – are wanting to be supportive of your kid and wanting to stand by his side and see the best in him. 
and we would back you in seeing the best in him as well. We certainly don't think that making a couple of mistakes is like, let's write off this kid. Exactly. And he needs to know that. He needs to know that you, you're not writing him off, as Ginny said. Tell him you can see a great future for him. I'd really involve him in the choosing of the new school to see right, w- yeah. what, what he'd like because at 16, he'd, you know, he'd have some strong ideas of what he wants to do now. I'd maybe role play with him what he's going to say to the new school, you know, because they're going to ask, why were you expelled? And so role play with him to own his mistakes, but to also say that what he sees for himself for the future and what he wants. So that might need a little bit of practice because that's pretty daunting to get before a new school and be asked to please explain yourself. So you could go over that. I'd really encourage him to stay in contact with his friends and help him make plans to see them if he can in the holidays as much as possible when you live in in regional Australia. But also nowadays with, you know, internet (laughs) and social media, they're really good at keeping contact. So just really encourage him because that can sometimes be another temptation when our children make some poor decisions and then to sort of blame the friendship group and say, oh dear, you've obviously gotten the wrong crowd. And that's really hard for the kids too. Yes, of course, there are some kids that you don't love the influence they have over your child, but We don't want to blame anyone and if he's really missing his friends, I think it's really important that he keeps in contact with them and remind him that, you know, these friendships can come round in adulthood again. So many people catch up with people that they had from this school and then that school and so, again, it's a lot of reassurance about the future which may feel so far off for this young man but it's what I do with clients all the time. If someone's going through a really tough time and they cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel, what we do as psychologists is to just try and show them the picture just a bit further down the track and just say, this is what I see for you. This is what I can really feel is going to be, not not in a psychic type way, but you're building on the strengths that you see in this person and say, once you get through this period, those strengths, they're going to shine again. You're going to be okay again. And sometimes it's just what they need. They need that reassurance that somebody else believes that they're going to have a good future, especially when they're in a really dark time. And now, Ellen, I'm going to give you a difficult piece of advice, which is with all of this love and empathy and support and telling him that you're on his side and you believe in him, we also need to make sure that he doesn't think that there's no consequences for what he did. Because at the end of the day, the school didn't like it and he ended up bearing the brunt of it. So what learnings can you help him take away from that? How can he learn to modify his behaviour in future so that if he's pushing the boundaries a little bit, how can he make sure that he stays just inside the boundaries so that this kind of thing doesn't happen to him again? Because we don't want him to sort of get the impression that the school's crazy and that there's no consequences for what you did and it's, the rules are just, they're nominal only and you don't need to listen to the rules and, you know, we we don't care what you do. We want to make sure that you thread this little tiny needle and make sure that he feels loved, supported and believed in and at the same time, hey, what are the key learnings out of this and how can we just do it a little bit differently next time? Yep, and he's got a good line to say to his future friends when they're saying, hey, let's vape or smoke some marijuana, you can say, hey, listen, I got expelled for that. I'm staying away from it. (laughs) So it's good to, again, in a lighthearted way, show him that, hey, there's a way that you can make better decisions. The other thing I was going to suggest, Ginny, is it's great that he's seeing a counsellor and it's helping a bit. You know, you could offer to go in with him to that session just for a part of it. Now, I know some psychologists, some counsellors just say no. Parent-free zone. I know. Get out of here. Personally, I love the idea of parents coming in for part of a session because then the parents can hear what will help. 
Because if the child or teenager can help with the counsellor or psychologist explain what work they're doing in therapy and then the parents can back that up, that's really useful because it also allows you when you're feeling a bit stumped about what to say to your son, you could say, okay, well, you know, remember what the counsellor said. The counsellor said this, this and this, you know, and I really support that. So I actually think it's a great idea if they don't have this parent-free zone, I think it would be great to ask or offer. Could have just come in for part of that session. I love that. We've got to do another session one day on how to handle the psychologist when it's not going that well. Yes. I hear this all the time (laughs) from my patients. But meanwhile, that is all we've got time for this week. If you like this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave a review or rating wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really means so much to us to read your beautiful reviews. As parents of teenagers know, it's really hard to make the rules when you don't understand the game. That's where the Living With Teens Summit, hosted by Mamma Mia, can help. It's coming in early 2023 to help you survive the high-pressure teen years and to help your teens survive them too, of course. Sign up for the waitlist to be notified when tickets are available. The link is in the show notes. This show was produced by Emmeline Peterson and I'm Jo Lamble. I'm Ginny Mansberg and we'll see you next week.